Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. The Volume. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. My game this week, Jacksonville. They're getting four points over the Colts. I'm taking the Jags to beat the Colts on Sunday. Get it on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code MANIX. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is Boxing with Chris Manning. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. Welcome back. Another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports. We are live on AMP. As always, you get the first listen of this podcast on AMP. First listen of all the volume podcasts on amp as well make sure you subscribe to the volume feed subscribe to my feed on amp got a terrific show for you today Keyshawn davis 135 pound contender 
He's going to join me a little bit later on. He is in the mix for a lot of big fights right now. He's got a fight coming up this weekend, Nahir Albright. It's a fight you can watch on ESPN going for his 10th pro win. But I talked to Keyshawn about a lot of what's out there for him in the 135-pound division moving forward and uh, a lot of the, the banter, let's call it, back and forth between some of these top guys at 135. But also this weekend, it is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest weekend. Yeah, it is the biggest weekend in Misfits Boxing. You've got KSI going up against Tommy Fury, Logan Paul against Dylan Dennis in an absolute blood feud between those two guys. To talk about that, member of the broadcast uh, team who's out there in the UK uh, getting ready for what should be a pretty wild week. Adeopo is going to be part of the call on Saturday, live on DAZN pay-per-view. And uh, Adi, is it, you, you've done a lot of these Misfits shows. Th- this has got to be the biggest of them all, right? Yeah, I think Misfits won when sort of KSI and Mams Taylor said, okay, they're going to start this thing. I think that was the big one, right? O2 Arena, it sold out in about five minutes. And, you know, for those that don't know, that's a 21,000-seater, which it, it just doesn't happen, does that? Even in boxing, like real traditional boxing, it's difficult to sell out arenas like that and that quick. And what surprised me, when I, especially for Misfits 1, was I went in there and I was, I was hosting the event, as you said, and it was full from the get-go. Like, doors opened at 6, people were sat down at 6.15, packed. And again, you know, you've been covering the sport a long time. People only come in now for co-main and mains. Like, I mean, the arenas are empty. Like, a man and his dog are watching some of the early cards. So, yeah, it did surprise me just how big this was. But this one eclipsed even that. Like, this one is, I mean, you said it's the biggest sort of Misfits event of the year or or ever. I I think, aside from Garcia Tank, I think it's going to be the biggest boxing event. It's it's that big. And I I say boxing event because they're going to fight. I mean, I know... There are, apart from Tommy Fury, no boxers per se with boxing records on, but it will be the biggest boxing event this year as well. Yeah, uh, it's going to do a great crowd. It's going to do big numbers on pay-per-view, both domestically in the UK and I think in the US too. I think in the US, uh, even though it's priced a little bit higher than what I thought it was going to be priced at, it it is going to do, I think, six-figure numbers in the US. Mm. There's that much interest in in all the fighters uh, on this card. So I want to get into that in a moment, but I want to look back at some of the stuff we saw this past weekend. And I want to start with a fight that you were a part of, part of the call over in the UK, Lee Wood against Josh Warrington. Terrific fight in the 126-pound division. This was a fight that Lee Wood, honestly, when you, you got past the second round and into the middle rounds, I thought he was done. I mean, yeah. I'm texting my friends out, and I picked Lee Wood to win by knockout uh, and put good money on it for you know, for that measure. Um, I'm texting my friends like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what happened. He looks completely weight drained. It looks like he's out of his depth at 126. Josh Warrington looks like he's had a revival of sorts at mm. 126. Then the seventh round comes around and Lee Wood just lands blistering combinations that puts Josh Warrington down. Josh stumbles back to his corner uh, with his back turned to the referee who at the eight count uh, elects to wave the fight off. So let's start right there. The stoppage itself, did you have an issue with the referee waving that fight off? No, not at all. Not at all. When, you, when you're ringside and, and you see the punches, you see the way he lands, he gets up, he doesn't know where he is, and he, as you say, he's walking with his back turned. And, I mean, show the ref you're okay. Turn around and face the ref and say, yeah, I'm okay, and then make the ref make that decision. So, no, I was okay with the stoppage. And at the time, I know Josh Warren to his dad who his trainers complained 
in the aftermath. But at the time, I was watching the corner and none of the corner people complained either. I was watching them because they're the first to kind of say, no, what's going on? And throw explicitly, you know, swear words, whatever. But none of them did anything. Josh complained, but then Josh kind of held onto the rope. And I was ringside of Tony Bellew. And then his legs went again. He nearly fell. And we was like, okay, someone needs to grab Josh here. So he, he was clearly out of it. Um, look, there is an argument that you can recover in a minute, and, but I don't think so. Lee Wood's a big puncher, and, and I think the fight was done. And um, if Josh wanted to continue, you turn around, you, you show the ref that you're okay to go, you bounce up, you do whatever you need to do, and he did none of that. So I, I was happy with the stoppage. I think it was a good stoppage. Yeah, I agree. Uh, two things. One, I, I did, look, in the aftermath, Josh Warrington was applying logic to what was an illogical situation in that moment. Mm. He said that, he got up, he heard the bell, he was walking back to his corner. I don't really believe that. He took four clean punches before yeah. he went down, and he was wobbly, he was out of it. I just think he stumbled back to his corner on instinct. I yes. think just his body yes. just pushed him in that direction. I don't think there was any sense of purpose in mm. what Josh Warrington was trying to do. And I also don't think that a minute would have made him measurably better would have helped would have recovered him to the point where he would have been able to st uh, hold off a emboldened lee wood i, I think yeah. lee wood would have come out of his corner and been gangbusters throwing combinations using power shots i think that referee saved josh warrington for something really bad and yeah, yeah. you know it, it always in my mind is better to stop a fight a couple of punches early rather than a couple of punches uh, too late. Uh, as far as Lee Wood goes, would you consider this a good performance from Lee Wood? Because his last fight was brilliant. He mm. gets in the ring with Mauricio Lara just months after getting knocked out by him and puts on a boxing masterclass, revives his career yet again by beating the boogeyman at that time in the division. This fight, you know, first couple of rounds, he looks good. Then those middle rounds, he is getting soundly outboxed by Josh Warrington. He is getting, I don't know if he was hurt at different times, but he was getting hit with some clean shots uh, by Warrington. Did, did you look at this, this as uh, a, a good performance from Wood, or did his power just kind of bail him out there at the end? Um, it's, it's a good question, because ultimately, he's, he's got a knockout, and you know, he keeps his belt, and I guess that's the end goal, right? So if that's the end goal, then I guess you have to say the performance was good. But but I only gave him a round up until the knockout. So he was struggling, and he was considered the best boxer, the better boxer of the two. He was struggling. He looked like the weight was a problem. He looked really, really bad on the scales. Like 126 is tough for him. He's 35 now. But that was the worst I've seen him on the scales. Um, so I don't know if it's a case of I applaud the fact he's had um, what, three fights in eight months, but I kind of wonder if maybe they've pushed it a bit too much. Um, you sometimes, you know, have to rest. You have to rest the body, and he's clearly not done that. Um, he was getting pieced up. There's no two ways about it. I mean, the body shots, he didn't he didn't know what to do with those. He, he kept switching from orthodox to southpaw to see if he could find anything, and he couldn't find anything. But sometimes you have to give the plaudits to the opponent. And I think you mentioned at the top there, Josh Warrington almost just, was a throwback of the fight that we saw against Carl Frampton and Lee Selby back in 2018. Josh was just that good. And Lee just didn't know what to do. But Lee has the equaliser. He's got the power. We saw it against Michael Conlon, where, again, he was getting outboxed and then just found something. And here again, he found something. Um, it's, it's a Rocky movie, like a real-life Rocky movie. He gets busted up and beat it up, and then he just seems to not give up. 
Um, it helps when you've got 7,000 Nottingham Forest fans, the team he supports in there. They always give him a bit more. But um, yeah, it, it's a good performance in the fact that he got a win. But ultimately, I know the team, Ben Davis and Lee Wiley, they're going to pick holes in that performance and say, we got away with it because he did get away with it because it looked like at any time he was going to get stopped. But in the end, he stopped Josh Warrington. Yeah, and you mentioned Ben Davison. I tweeted this out immediately after the fight. I think you've got to give Ben Davison a lot of credit for where Lee Wood is at right now. Now, you go back to February when Wood was in with Lara, and he was winning that fight through the first, what, five or six rounds. Then he gets yeah. caught with that big left hook. He gets up, and immediately after he gets up, before the fight can continue, Ben Davison throws in the towel. Ben took a lot of criticism for yeah. that in the immediate aftermath, but... I, you know, you look at it now, and you can certainly make the argument that Ben saved Wood from what could have been a career-altering beating uh, from Lara after that knockdown. He kept him maybe fresh for the rematch, and he kept him in position to have this type of performance against Josh Warrington. Do you buy into any of that, that Ben Davison, uh, you know, deserves credit for for where we are right now with Lee Wood? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, for a number of reasons. I think the first the one that you mentioned being the most important, he saved his fighter for another day. Um, because if he didn't throw the towel in, and you're right, he got a lot of criticism for throwing the towel in. If he didn't, then we know Lara's a finisher and a puncher, and I think he would have hurt Lee. And at 34 at the time, that could have been naturally Wood. Um, look, it's a, good, it's a good team. It's a good setup. I mean, Josh Warrington, sorry, Lee Wood, apologies, was with the Ingle camp for so long. He was training alongside the likes of Kelbrook. Thought that he never really got his shine because it wasn't a big name took a gamble, went to Ben Davison, and, I mean, they've transformed his career. I mean, this is a guy that was struggling three years ago, only three years ago, to get a British title shot. And now he's had three world title fights in eight months and is arguably the British fighter of the year. Uh, unless Sonny Edwards beats Baron Rodriguez, I mean, that title goes to Lee Wood. So, yeah, you've got to give credit to Ben Davison. And that's why a lot of people go there. That's why Devin Haney was there. That's where AJ's training with him at the moment. Um, a lot of fighters go to Ben Davison because he... You know, he's not your traditional boxing coach, but he's almost a new breed of coaches that study tape, work out a system, and find a way. And he's found a way for Lee Wood on a few occasions now. You know, the fighter of the year, and this is a conversation for another day, but the fighter of the year competition this year is going to be fierce. It really is. There are a lot, lot of good candidates. Um, I think Lee Wood, you know, because of these two wins he's had this year, is in the mix. I think if Devin Haney beats Regis Progre in December, hard to take it away from Devin, even though some people don't believe he beat Vasily Lomachenko, but those are two on-paper high-level wins. And there's a, several Agreed. other guys, of course, that are going to be in this mix. Last year was pretty easy. Dimitri Bivol beats Canelo and beats Zerto. That was a pretty easy pick for Fighter of the Year. This year, I think the competition is going to be fierce. Now, Lee Wood, as you mentioned, wants to take a break. He deserves a break. Three fights in a year, tough fights all the way around. Uh, when he comes back, it will be at 130 pounds. And there's some fertile ground there for Medi Hearn and Matchroom promote a couple of guys. Joe Cordina for a massive domestic fight. Uh, Oshaki Foster recently signed mm-hmm. with Matchroom. He's going to return uh, later on this month to defend his title and then presumably be in the mix. There's also some talk, though, about a rematch with Josh Warrington. What do you think the right move is for Lee Wood in his next fight? Does it go for a new title, or is it to run it back with Josh Warrington? It's, you know, when, when, when you mentioned a, a bit earlier about Lee Wood's performance, if we're brutally honest, it wasn't a great performance. And that against the Joe Cordina would, I just don't see how he, he wins against a bigger Joe Cordina who's looking to go up 
in weight himself, a fresher, a younger, a hard-hitting Joe Cordina. So I actually don't mind the rematch. I think the rematch with both of them going up in weight, vacate the belt. It, it's okay. You know, Klomatov is the mandatory. He can pick that up. Vacate the belt. Both of them go up. And, and the thing about Lee Wood as well, he wants to fight in the city ground, which is the home of his beloved Nottingham Forest. That's a 30,000-seater stadium. Um, you're going to need someone that can also pull the numbers and Josh can pull the numbers to make that stadium sort of sell out. Um, Joe Cordina can't and, and nor can others. So I think for, for so many different reasons, because A, the fight was competitive between the two, number one, you know, the ending is semi-controversial if you ask Josh Warrington and because Josh Warrington brings his own massive fan base and you're going to need a fan base to fill that stadium. There's no point going to the stadium which is 30,000, you can only do 8,000 tickets. There's no point. If you want an atmosphere in there, then you do it again. Leeds versus Nottingham Forest. And I think the fans would want to see that again because of how how it ended. I mean, again, as you mentioned, Lee would, pretty much for me, lost every single round until the knockout. So there is a story to be told there. So I think you go again. Both of them jump up to 130. We run it back. Yeah, I think it's it's still a pretty compelling fight given how it was going for Josh Warrington before the knockout. I'm also glad you explained what city ground was for this largely American audience because every time we watch Lee Wood fight, he's just like looking up at Eddie Hearn saying, I want to fight at city ground. I want to fight at city ground. I don't think many people that... Many people in the U.S. don't know what the hell he's talking about. Like, you know, why this is such a why it's such a big deal for him. But uh, uh, that's obviously a good explanation. By the way, for Eddie... This all comes up roses because Eddie Hearn also promotes Ray Ford, who is has been clamoring for a world title shot at 126, who was planning to move up in weight uh, if he didn't get one before uh, this Lee Wood decision. So now Ray Ford gets a, a title shot probably somewhere in the U.S. Uh, and Lee Wood, Josh Warrington, or Lee Wood, Joe Cordina. That's a big fight uh, over in the U.K. So I want to talk about what, what we saw on Saturday uh, as well in the U.S. A little bit later on in the day, we had... Zerto Ramirez, former 175-pound world title challenger, 168-pound champion. He moved up in weight to fight at Cruiserweight. He took on Joe Smith, another guy that you know maxed out in the light heavyweight division, lost his fight against Archer Betterbiev uh, about a year and a half ago and was coming up to Cruiserweight for that fight. Uh, terrific fight, I thought, uh, in the ring. You know, Both these guys mm. are come-forward fighters. Both these guys are aggressive, hard-hitting fighters. Uh, scorecards a little wide for my taste, yep. 99-91 all the way around. I thought it was a little bit closer. I had it 7-3, but, you know, whatever. The right guy uh, won on that night. The question now is, is Zerto Ramirez as big a player at cruiserweight as he was at light heavyweight? Cruiserweight has some talent. You know, Jai Apatai is probably the most talented guy in the division. Uh, Badu Jack is still in the division, so... There are some names at Cruiserweight for the first time in a long time, but you know Zerto Ramirez is as well known a Cruiserweight in the U.S. as there's been in many years. You know he fights in Southern California; he can put fifteen, twenty thousand fans in the seats uh, for fights like that. So, how well positioned do you think Zerto Ramirez is right now in the Cruiserweight division? He's there. He's there, and, and you're right. I mean, the American audience need a cruiserweight champion, right? We've not had, or I say we. Um, I don't think American. we need it. I don't, think, I don't think we need a cruiserweight champion. It's nice to have one, but I don't think, you know, you ask, you know, ask 10 Americans what cruiserweight is and not. you're likely to get 10 kind of perplexed looks on your face. So Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a strange division. It's always been like the European division, right? Unless 
sort of Steve Cunningham when he had his run, but it's been a European division for so many years. And look, he, he can he can fight. I mean, Mazzardo, I still don't understand how he made 168 because it's not like he looks fleshy at the weight, right? I mean, he still looks, you can still see abs, which is incredible. Um, and, and there are guys in the cruiserweight division that are beatable. I mean, Badu Jack's beatable, although there's a lot of talk about Badu Jack going up to bridge weight. He could definitely fight Bradu Jack. He can definitely fight Chris Billum Smith. Gulamarian is there as well. Jai Pattaya, though, I think he needs to swerve. I, I, um, I think, I think he's incredible. I really do. And I had to kind of, I was thinking about this just because he beat Jordan Thompson, and Jordan Thompson, I don't know if he's British level. I don't know where Jordan Thompson is European level. I have no idea because he hasn't beaten anyone really to get that opportunity. But sometimes you don't. You, Sometimes you don't need to see a fighter go, go against another A-level fighter to just see talent. And I was watching what he was doing in the ring and I was lucky enough to be ringside with Barry Jones and we kind of just looked at each other straight and we're like, what's this? Like, he looks a very, very good fighter. Mean, aggressive. Like, Alexander Usyk, and I, I mean this without really being hyperbolic, but it's, like, it's honestly like Alexander Usyk, but more aggressive. He's so aggressive, so fast on his front feet, like throws punches and bunches and he's just mean and wants everything. Honestly, I, I, I can't see a cruiserweight out there that causes him a problem because Jordan Thompson, as much as he's not the most skilled fighter in that second round, Jordan Thompson hit him with a right hand that I'm convinced would have knocked out some heavyweights. And as soon as Opatai ate that punch, I was like, oh my God. So, so he can eat a punch as well. So uh, and Jordan Thompson's a six foot seven cruiserweight for those listening. A big guy on the, on the night weighs in maybe a stone and a half above the cruiserweight limit. This Jai Pattaya, I think, could be a bit special. Um, look, he fought for Australia at the Olympics when he was seventeen. I mean, you have to be a bit special to do that. So um, yeah, I think I do think Zerdo can be a force, but I, I don't think watching Zerdo against Bivol, Zerdo's got really slow f- feet. And I was watching Jarpatari and his feet just a bit too fast. His hands are too fast as well when he can take a punch. And I think that equalizes out anything Zerto can do. So, yes, Chris Billum Smith. Yes, potentially Badu Jack. Maybe a Reactor or a Kohli. But no Jarpatari. See, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I go the other <laughs> way. Um, not, not that I wouldn't make Jarpatari the favorite in that fight. Given what he did to Jordan Thompson, I absolutely believe that. I think he's the number one guy at Cruiserweight. But watching. Zerto Ramirez last Saturday. One thing I saw, and you just mentioned this, at light heavyweight, he did not have great footwork. At cruiserweight, he had much better footwork. Now, I don't know if that's the addition of Malik Scott to his team. Uh, He was part of his training camp for this fight along with Julian Chua. I don't know if that's the simple fact that he didn't have to squeeze his way all the way down to 175 and his legs were just fresher. Or or is Joe Smith just so slow? I, I... I think Joe, look, I, I think Joe Smith is slow, but I also think that Zerto fought off his back foot in this fight much better than he did in the Bevel fight. Bevel yeah, pushed him yeah. back, and Zerto just kind of plotted backwards with him. In this fight, he was pivoting, he was moving. Like he was, I don't want to call him graceful because that's never going to be Zerto Ramirez's style, but he absolutely was more fluid in the ring than I've seen him. I also think one of the problems with Jordan Thompson, I think you'd agree, not experienced. Like, doesn't no. have the level of experience that a guy like Zerto does. Zerto's, what, got 45, 46 fights now. 
in his professional career. He's got a great chin. He's a southpaw. Again, I would make Jai a favorite in that fight, but I think Zerto would have would be a lot for him to handle. Zerto is an unbelievable body puncher. He is an, a terrific volume puncher, even for this weight class. I think it'd be a lot to handle. And look, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, all week long out in Vegas, and, and I was there and in the ring, I asked him about it as well. He's talking about making the best fights. I'm calling out Eddie Hearn. I'm calling out Bob Aaron. I'm calling <laughs> everybody to make the best fights. Well, Oscar, maybe this is where you put your money where your mouth is. The best fight I think you can make or the most visible fight you can make in the cruiserweight division is Zerto against Apatai. I don't know where you make it. Hell, maybe you go to Australia. Maybe you bring it to the U.S. I'm not exactly sure where Jai's fan base necessarily is, but wherever it is, that is a can't-miss cruiserweight fight that will, I think, clearly determine who the number one guy is in that division. Yeah, and what I will say as well about Jai, like, it, he's the smallest cruiserweight I've seen. Like, he, he just he looks like he doesn't have to make much or cut much weight to make cruiserweight, which I think is a good thing. He's not boiling himself down. He's not killing himself. But physically, this might sound weird because Zerto's come from 168, but Zerto could be bigger, which is strange. Because Jai is not the biggest at he's all. He's huge. He, and, I'm and, telling and say, you, Ade. Yeah, no, Zerto was huge. Yeah, he's a giant. I remember um, when you interviewed him in the ring after the Bivol fight, and I think you said to him, are you going to Cruiserweight? Um, so you, the plan was already there. And, and back mm. to the, um, the Oscar thing about working with the other promoters. I mean, finally, him and Eddie have some fighters where they can match each other up, whether it be Munguia and um, I've been hearing John Ryder or Belanga, and now Zerto and Jai Pattaya. So those two should get on the phone and make these fights because I think um, it'd be nice to do some sort of in-house to zone fights between the two. I agree. I agree. I think there'd be some terrific matchups. Not that I'm anticipating getting Munguia Berlanga anytime soon no, because, no. <laughs> you know, wh- why would two guys who've never faced anybody with a metaphorical pulse uh, <laughs> decide to, to fight fight each other? Uh, one last thing before I turn to, to the Misfits. Uh, I just got in my email this afternoon uh, a release from Showtime announcing the Demetrius Andrade, David Benavidez uh, fight. There's going to be a press conference in Los Angeles on Thursday. You bet your ass that I'm going to be there because I'm going to be the only one, Ade, right now, picking Demetrius Andrade to win. I'm going to be the only one out there that believes that Demetrius Andrade's boxing skills are better than David Benavidez's size aggression, punching power. I believe Demetrius Andrade, even in his mid-30s, even at a new weight class, even with the inactivity that's plagued him for most of the last few years, I believe he is going to outbox David Benavidez. Can I get you to jump on my bandwagon here? Can I get you to join Team Mannix in this regard and pick Demetrius Andrade to beat David Benavidez on November 25th? I'm sorry, you are standing in that corner by yourself. Oh Chris, man, I, I knew it. I, I wish I could, Chris, but I can't. I mean, as you say, you just, you just, you just nailed the coffin to him. You said the inactivity, the size. It, it's just, you know, it's, it's it's so frustrating with Demetrius Andre because we could be talking here about a bona fide Hall of Fame fighter. I, I feel like he had the talent to fight anyone at one fifty four, one sixty, and whether it's just, I don't know, promotional issues. Or I know when he signed with Eddie, he thought Eddie could get the fights for him. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why he's not had the fights, but. I think it's too late now. Father time waits for no one. And Benavidez, when I saw a video of Benavidez, and I mean, you talk how big Zerdo is. Benavidez is enormous. 
Enormous. That might be too big, though, Ade. That yeah, might be maybe. too big right now. He's going to yeah. have to cut down to 168 in less than two months. He looked like he was 220 in that video you're talking about that yeah. made his way through social media. I didn't even know it was him. There's a, there's a, UK, yeah. there's a UK heavyweight called uh, Moses Atoma. I actually thought it was Atoma because of his hair. and I thought, is that Atoma? Then I thought, oh, my God, it's Benavides. I was like, <laughs> wow. He, he is, um, he's big, but look, we know he can get down to the weight. We saw him against um, Caleb Plant. He's aggressive. And you know what it is? He knows that he's, he's in the mix. If he beats Demetrius Andrade, we don't have a Canelo dance part. I, I don't expect Canelo to fight him in May, but he'll be in the mix. And that's the carrot dangled in front of him. And I just don't expect Andre to have enough size and, and, a, and enough engine to keep Benavidez off for 12 rounds. I just don't see how it happens. I remember watching Andre against Liam Williams, uh, the, the Welsh mm. fighter. And although Andre won that comfortably in the end, the last few rounds were kind of like, oh, what's going on? Like Andre mm-hmm. looks like the gas tank was emptying quickly. And I just, again, in activity, I just expect Benavidez, the fresher of the two, the bigger of the two, um, to come through this one. But it will be a good fight, though. I don't what? expect it to be a blowout. One of the wilder statistics in all of boxing is that Demetrius Andrade, at 32-0, a two-division world champion, has never faced a current or former world champion. It's wild that we can get, get to here. this point. He's never faced a current or former world champion. Um, and that is mostly through no fault of his own because mm. for the better part of five years, he was promoted by Matchroom. He had a middleweight t- a title. He had money behind him and still nobody would go near him. Gennady Golovkin wouldn't go near him. Uh, Jamal Charlo wouldn't go near him. Uh, Jaime Munguia wouldn't go near him. These guys would not fight him. And Oscar De La Hoya admitted to me last week that Jaime straight ducked Demetrius Andrade all those years. So it's a massive shame that through- we didn't get that, um, that Billy Joe Saunders fight. You know, we, yeah, we the, exactly. That would have been... That was the one, right? That would have showed us exactly yeah. where both are. I agree. That was supposed to be in Boston, the mm. very, uh, his very first fight on the matchroom deal. That would have been a good matchup between those two guys. But Andrade's never had that kind of test. That being said, one of the reasons I believe he can win is that Andrade is going to go into this fight without any pressure to score a knockout, without any pressure to hurt David Benavidez. Every one of his fights prior to this Ade, there have been people like me and others outside saying, Demetrius, you can't keep cruising to these lopsided decisions. When you get a Walter Kautendakwa hurt, you've got to finish him. When you've got Maciek Suletsky down in the first round, you've got to finish him. The, the only time we saw that mindset out of Andrade was against Jason Quigley when he just walked through Jason Quigley uh, in that fight because I think he was pretty much sick and tired of everyone saying he had to finish some of these fighters off. There is going to be no pressure True. on Demetrius Andrade to score a knockout against David Benavidez. All he's got to do is stick and move, hit and run, make Benavidez look foolish. And look, Benavidez is going to be big, but Andrade was a massive 160-pounder. He's going to be six, he's 6'1", 6'2". He's going to fill up that 168-pound frame nicely. I'm concerned. Don't get me wrong. I'm concerned about his age and if his legs are going to be the same going into this fight. That is a legitimate concern. But I think for this fight getting what he wanted, and what could be waiting for him at the end. Everybody's talking about David Benavidez against Canelo in May of 2024. Well, if Andrade wins, he has got a mandate to say to Canelo, look, you've been ducking me for like three weight classes. You wouldn't fight me at 154. You wouldn't fight me at 160. Now here, I just beat the guy you were supposed to fight. You got to fight me at 168. So 
Yeah. I think Andrade is going to be as motivated as he ever has been before for this particular fight. That's why I'm picking Amade. And when did, you go on, go ahead. No, I was going to say when you uh, are looking at your bank account, why, wondering why it's not richer. It's because you didn't pick Demetrius Andrade. That is why it is not more swollen than it should be. You didn't pick Demetrius Andrade. Is this, is this the same card with Jamal Charlo is on as well, fighting? It is. Oh, yeah. This is like the, the Showtime exit card. Like, get everybody out. Get everyone get out right on this away. Card. And look, that's, I guess that's the carrot as well, right? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Charlo versus Canelo, which I wouldn't want to see. But I wouldn't mind seeing Andre drop back down to 160 to fight Jamal. That's a fight that we've been speaking about for years, like 10 years. So I wouldn't mind that either. So you're right. I mean, you know, Demetrius Andrade wins this and it's a winner stays on. He, you know, he gets another big paycheck. So I, I would want him to win because he has been ducked for so many years and I feel like he deserves a big one. I just feel like the momentum is with Benavides. But I, I will put a couple of pounds down on Demetrius Andrade because I don't <laughs> want to be the one when it's all said and done to say, damn, Manix told me and I didn't listen. I, I would just say this about what we could be waiting for him. Like, I don't see how Canelo could not fight him next. Like, if Canelo, if Andrade beats David Benavidez oh, yeah. and Charlo beats Jose Benavidez and Canelo chooses Jamal Charlo oh, to fight in there's May, then we can all attach the duck label to Canelo. It, it yeah, would be agreed. fair. He agreed. will have officially ducked uh, Demetrius Andrade. All right, let's talk about the fight you're working this weekend. Huge Misfits boxing card. Let's start at the top of the bill with KSI against Tommy. Fury. Uh, Tommy Fury has become something of an influencer killer as of late. He beats Jake Paul over in the Middle East. Now he gets a shot at Jake Paul's rival, KSI. Uh, I love what I hear out of KSI. He is talking the talk. I just wonder if he can walk the walk, if he is on the level of Tommy Fury in a boxing match. What's your early read on KSI versus Tommy Fury? Look, I think it's going to be um, interesting. Look, Tommy Fury should win. Right? He's the boxer I was lucky enough to speak to him and his dad a few weeks ago. And, you know, he said he put gloves on Tommy Fury when Tommy was six. So he's, he's been in and around boxing ever since, you know. His brother's the heavyweight champion of the world. So he should know how to box. Whereas KSI has just jumped on this thing in the last few years. But he has made big strides in those last few years. I've spoken to a few boxers who've watched him. And it's like, you know, he's got decent hands for someone that, you know, is basically a part-time fighter. He's got good hands. I will say this, though. When I did the face-off, uh, recently, I couldn't believe the size difference. They, they almost looked like mm. three or four weight classes apart. No, no joking. One looked like the cruiserweight, and one looked like, I don't know, a blown-up welterweight. Completely different in size. I think the fight's going to take place at 183 pounds, and I asked, is there any rehydration clause to it? Because Tommy's going to go sky-high past 200, and KSI is going to stay around 183. I think Tommy's just too big, too big, too experienced for him, but you never know. You, you you never know. I, I don't think Tommy looked fantastic against Jake Paul. I don't think Jake Paul looked great either, but it wasn't like this was obvious. Like if you were someone from Mars watching, you would be able to say 100% that's the pro boxer. So I don't think Tommy's that great either, but I think he's surely is too good for KSI, surely. Why do you think KSI is taking this fight? Because, I mean, of course he wants to beat the guy that beat Jake Paul. Their rivalry is real. And if he's able to accomplish that, it would be quite the feather in his cap. But it is a high-risk fight for KSI. He's yeah. going to make a boatload of money, but he makes good money when he fights anybody yeah. in this kind of influencer boxing scene. And we both know DAZN is, 
you know, sort of pushing these guys towards each other as quickly mm. as they possibly can because <laughs> Jake Paul against KSI is a massive event oh either in the UK gosh. or here in the US. Why do you think KSI is taking this particular risk? I think you said it right at the top, Chris. You answered the question already. It's because of the Jake Paul factor. He wants to try and do one better than Jake Paul did. And he always raised up the risk reward. He's a, he's a businessman behind all of this, right? I mean, the prime, the music, the, the, the films, everything, the YouTube, it's all about business for him. And the risk is big, but the reward is enormous if he wins. And I think he kind of plays the two. Um, and again, it all leads back to Jake Paul. If he were to beat Tommy Fury, I mean, I think this fight, this weekend fight, when you take in the US cells and the UK cells, I think it does over a million pay-per-view buys. Mm. If he were to beat Tommy and fight Jake, I, I don't even know what number to attach to how big that fight would be. And I think that's the reward he's searching for. I don't know if it's a money thing, but it helps. I think it's a wanting to fight Jake Paul and one-up him. And I think that's the risk he's taken. And it's a risky one, but there's almost this sense of, well, Jake lost anyways. If I do lose, there's not a problem because Jake lost. So as long as he doesn't get knocked out, I feel like he, he's won. Um, but the risk is that he does get knocked out. If he gets knocked out, then obviously it's a risk he shouldn't have taken. But as long as he can stand on his feet until the end of the sixth round, ultimately he's won because he's a YouTuber that has gone the distance with a professional boxer. He's got the confidence. I'll give him that. He's talking yeah, about Canelo. Yeah. He's talking about Archer Betterbeev, <laughs> which you know maybe somebody should tell him to steer clear of that particular fight. So KSI against Tommy Fury is the big event over in the UK. In the US, I think people here are far more interested in Logan Paul against Dylan Dennis. Logan Paul's obviously built quite the name for himself, both on YouTube and, of course, now as a WWE wrestler. This has gotten so deeply personal Dude. that... It's hard to really characterize it. I mean, it, Dylan Dennis has attacked Logan Paul's fiance, Nina Agdahl, in some of the most deeply personal ways that you possibly can. It's gotten to the point where, you know, as Logan has put out there, Nina has filed a lawsuit against him. You know, it, he plans to litigate this regardless of what happens in the ring on Saturday night. I wonder, Ade, if you gave Logan Paul truth serum right now, do you think Logan Paul would be doing this? Do you think if he could go back in time three and a half, four months and say no to this particular matchup? Because Logan Paul doesn't need the money. I mean, Logan Paul has YouTube. He has Prime. He has a WWE career, which is blossoming. Uh, look, yeah, he, he's wanted to box again for a while, but I wonder if he really wants to go through with this. Because not only is this going to be kind of a blood feud in the ring, I think it has the potential to devolve into more than a boxing match. I have a feeling, you know, just like we talked about with Nate Diaz against Jake Paul, I think Nate Diaz had a little more self-control. I get the feeling, Ade, if Dylan Dennis finds himself hurt or getting beat up, I think Dylan Dennis is going to do some jujitsu shit. I think Dylan Dennis <laughs> is going to do some MMA stuff. I'm sure there are protections in the contract, as there always are, for stuff like that. But I don't think Dylan Dennis cares. I think Dylan Dennis is going to do whatever it, it takes to save face one way or the other in a fight like this. Yeah, I, I can't believe we're even here. I can't believe, I knew KSI Tommy Fury was going to happen. Uh, that, that one, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, that's going to happen. This one, I was like, it's not going to happen. But I, I, honestly, when they said that Dylan Dennis is here in Manchester, I still thought it's, there's something's going to happen between now and Saturday whereby this fight doesn't happen. I'm, I'm shocked we're here. And I, I agree with you. I think if you were to have offered 
uh, Logan Paul, the, the time machine to go back and say, okay, maybe we don't do this. I think I don't think he does it. He wanted Nate Diaz. He didn't want this. He, I don't think mm. he wanted someone like Dylan Dennis, who has done all of what he's done. He's brought his personal life out into the world and everyone's now talking about Logan's wife or fiance. I, I don't think he wanted this headache. But it has sold the fight immeasurably. Like this is now the main event. Like, and it's funny mm. because initially, I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Fury, KSI, Maine, and Logan, Dylan, co-main. Now, all of a sudden, I've seen the posters change to two main. So it's now, it, they've realized how big this is, that we just have to have it as a main event as well. Um, it, it's, it's massive now. It's massive. And credit to Dylan. Look, I, look, I, I don't like what he's done. Um, I find it a bit childish. But hey, I mean, all fair in love and war. It, I've seen worse. I've heard worse. I've been around worse. Um, and so it's funny that with these guys, Chris, <laughs> not honestly, with these guys, Chris, I don't even trust them that they're not all in it together. They're so, <laughs> they're so savvy with their cells. I, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even believe they're not in a room together all talking about this. It, I don't trust any of them. Um, but look, it sold the fight. It's got everyone interested from all over the world. I think Conor McGregor is going to be here. Um, so it's going to spill outside the ring. There's no doubt. I'm with you. Dylan's going to do something stupid in it. It, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if we have a, a Khabib Namaga-Madov jumping over the, the top rope type incident again with Connor and Logan and Jake Paul getting involved with each other. I expect there to be more than the fights announced on Saturday happening on Saturday night, put it that way. Yeah, there are a lot of, of works in boxing matches, a lot of shtick sometimes before fights in boxing matches, and these guys are as good at it as you can get. I, but, man, the, the way that Dylan Dennis has made it so personal with Nina and, and you know, portrayed her to casual fans, to, to oh, people that don't man. know any better as, as something I'm sure she's not is just, you know, is, it's, is, it's, it's low. It's low. It reminds me, Ada, you remember, you remember when Mayorga fought De La Hoya? I do. And <laughs> how personal that was. Like, Oscar was so furious because of what Mayorga was saying about his mom, about his wife, about everybody oh, in his family. Goodness. Uh, that's, I mean, that was a much higher level fight, but that's what this reminds me of the, the depth of the, of the hatred, uh, between these two guys, especially now, I think from Logan to Dylan Dennis, I, I think that's how it's going to play out. I know, I know you're a fan of the, the, the handshake, you know, afterwards, I don't think there'll be a handshake between these two guys when this fight's over. There'll be no post-fight no, no. hug. There'll be no, no all, no. all's fair. This, you know, th I think it's going to continue. I think there'll be, you know, you, you'll hear Dylan, you know, talking about, you know, having to go to court and having to pay whatever penalty he's going to have to pay. I think it's going to continue for months after this fight's over. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, and hundred percent, I am a fan of like, you know, shake hands, you know, it's all, you know, you, you, you kind of, you've batted each other across the ring, but no, these two won't shake hands. Um, not at all. And, and if you're Logan, you, you can't shake hands with a man that's been saying this about someone you love. It's impossible to do so. No. But in the end, they're going to fight. And I've absolutely no idea if Dylan Dennis can even fight. I mean, we saw Logan against <laughs> Floyd. I don't know if you call that fighting, right? Um, but we know he's an athlete, right? I mean, you won't have to watch him in WWE to realize how strong and athletic he is. I have no idea what to expect with this one. I can kind of picture KSI Tommy Fury. These two, I, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what to expect from either of them. I think it's going to be crazy, and that's what's going to generate a lot of interest both in the U.K. and here uh, in the U.S. Catch out of Depot ringside. Do you think, do you think it does a million? Do you think it does a million pay-per-view buys? Before I think it does. I think it'll do considerably less in the U.S., but I think it will crack 100,000, 120,000 
um, you would be able to interpret better than me what the market in the UK, but I think half a million, between half a million and 600,000 sounds about right. So we're talking six, maybe 550 in the UK and 120 in the US gets it into that close to 700,000 range. That okay. would be my, my guess, which okay. is still a, a massive success for both, for all four fighters, for DAZN, for everybody. That is a huge win. You know, yeah, couple that with God knows what the the gate's going to be big. I'm sure too, uh, out there in Manchester. It's it's just going to be it's going to be a scene, man. It's going to be a scene over there. I'm I'm excited for you. I think it's you know the misfit stuff. I don't watch a ton of, um, but I am 100 percent Saturday afternoon going to be glued to my TV onto Zone Paper View <laughs> to watch watch what happens over in the UK. Uh, check out Adi Ringside on Saturday. KSI against Tommy Fury. Logan Paul against Dylan Dennis. Again, that will be live on DAZN pay-per-view. Adi, good to catch up, man. Hope to see you either stateside or over in the UK sometime soon. Cheers, Chris. Top man. Appreciate it, brother. And when we come back, 135-pound contender Keyshawn Davis. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. You'll know when you get it. It'll say eBay. Authenticity. Guarantee. You'll feel it because when it comes to your feet, eBay has your back. Maybe it's a head-turning pair for hooping or a hot new collab. Whatever you're after. When you cop on eBay, you can trust that your kicks will be checked by experts, not just any expert, sneaker experts who live and breathe the culture. Real people with real hands-on authentication experience. That's when Blue Checkmark represents on our listing. eBay authenticity guarantee, meaning every inch, stitch, sole, logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. So when you finally step into those grill kicks, you'll realize the feeling is unlike any other. And with eBay authenticity guarantee, the feeling of real is always within reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. All right, Keyshawn Davis is a 135-pound contender. On Saturday, he will look for his 10th pro win when he takes on Nahir Albright. That's a fight that you can watch on ESPN. And Keyshawn joins me here on the show. Keyshawn, first things first, your trainer is back, Brian McIntyre. He will be back in the U.S. presumably uh, at some point in the next couple of days getting a suspended sentence for a gun possession charge over in the U.K. Uh, your reaction to that? Uh, shit, happy, excited. Um, kind of had a feeling he was going to be home or coming home today. So I'm just happy that, you know, the decision finally got, got to be made and, you know, he's coming back home. I got to speak to him today. He sound good. So definitely excited. What's the last month been like for you as the uncertainty around Bomax future has been out there? Uh, I'm a professional. So, you know, we just handle things professionally. 
we got we got training camp done the usual way how we get training camp done. Um, I feel the best that I ever felt, you know, and um, it's a team thing, you know. It's not just one person, you know. One person never stops the show. So um, just this training camp, I continue to got better. Me and my brother Kelvin, and um, you just this fight, literally, y'all just gonna see the same performances y'all been seeing. Great ones. Are you expecting Bomac to be in Texas with you on Saturday? Yes, he's gonna he's gonna be there. All right, that's great news for sure, all the way around. Um, I mentioned you're going for your tenth pro win. Um, is this where you hoped you'd be ten fights into your professional career? Has it gone the way you had, you know, you kind of had the best hopes for it would be? Um, yes, I think it's going great. Honestly, um, I can't really ask for too much better than than just me probably getting first round knockouts. You know, what I'm saying um, I feel like I put the boxing world. On notice, I feel like the boxing world knows who I am, and the boxing world, you know, they know that this this new 135 pounder Keyshawn Davis is a problem. You know what I'm saying? So um, I can't really just ask for too much more, honestly. So um, I'm happy that I'm in a position right now, going going to about to be 10 and 0 for sure. You've gotten some more experienced opponents over the last. Uh, few fights, be able to go the distance over these last few fights. Juan Carlos Burgos, your last fight against uh, Francisco Madera. Um, facing those types of guys, what have you been able to gain from that? Just literally just the experience. Um, I've been going, just going eight rounds, going 10 rounds, going nine rounds. Uh, I never did those rounds before ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I got experience, you know, amateurly, but when we talk about pro fights, i never been eight, nine, or 10 rounds before I went those fights. So uh, just really getting the experience, just you know, getting off and on that stool each and every round, you know what I'm saying? It's just really just staying focused, staying sharp, staying fundamentally sound throughout the eight rounds or the 10 rounds that I go. Um, definitely means, meant a lot, means a lot to me still going into my 10th. Yeah, and I hear guys say that a lot after they go the distance in fights. I'm glad to have gotten the rounds in. I'm glad to have gotten the experience. What What do you gain from going eight rounds in a legitimate pro fight that you can't gain from doing eight rounds of sparring or 10 rounds of sparring? Uh, pro fight, first of all, you got on little gloves, eight-ounce gloves. <laughs> and then for me and a lot of other top prospects, you know, you fight in front of the world. You know what I'm saying? So that's just added pressure onto it too. Um, so when you're just fighting in front of like a, a, a high-level um and going those rounds with a, a guy that you know that can fight as well, you know it's just gonna raise your it's gonna raise your level. For me, a fighter like me, um, as the fights get harder and harder, I typically perform better and better. So, um, just for me, that experience means a lot because I know at the end of the day, in that moment, I'm performing at, at my highest and consistently round after round. You know what I'm saying? So that that really means a lot. You're very close with Shakur Stevenson, I believe. As we're speaking, you're wearing a Shakur T-shirt right now. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yes, I see that that on you. Um, that relationship, working with him, sparring with him, being around him as much as you guys are around each other, how has that benefited you? Just working off each other. Uh, I got two other brothers, blood brothers, Kelvin and Keon Davis, and um, just growing up, you know, just growing up with them. Just competing with each other, just trying to be better than one another, just get each other better. In terms of me and Shakur, you know, we are competing sparring. We are competing running, sprinting. We compete on the game like 
me and Shakur, when we was around each other like all the time at one point in time, we compete in everything we do. And then we'd take it right to the gym. You know what I'm saying? So we just really just try to get each other better at, at any cost. It was never a time where, you know, like he felt that he was just way better than me or I felt that I was way better than him or it was never give and take with him. With me and him, it was always just give, give, give and help. So um, me and Shakur, like to this day, you know, like <laughs> that's my brother. How many titles would have to be on the line for Keyshawn Davis to fight Shakur Stevenson? Um, titles? <laughs> or how much money would have to be on the line for Keyshawn Davis to fight Shakur Stevenson? Shit, I guess y'all just have to wait and see. <laughs> Do you guys ever talk about that? You know, you're in the same weight class down the line. Hell yeah, like we shit, we talk about that in the amateurs. We definitely talk about that <laughs> when I once I turned pro. Conversations like that really started going like, damn, how are we gonna play this? Like. What we, what we want to do for real. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to sugarcoat shit. We still be, you know what I'm saying? But we gonna, when that road comes, we're going to cross it. You know, you're facing Albright this Saturday uh, on ESPN. You're, you're in a division in, a weight, in and around weight classes that are talent-rich right now. I wanted to put your analyst hat on for a minute and give me your take on some of the fighters that are around your weight class. And I want you to start with a guy that you've had some back and forth with. Shakur's had some public back and forth with. What's your take on Frank Martin? Uh, he's just another another fighter out here. He's not really like a threat. He's not really like a threat. He's just another fighter out here. Were you surprised that he walked away from the Shakur fight? I was surprised that he walked away from a million dollars. That's the only thing I was surprised about. Um, a million dollars? <laughs> if, if, if they give me a, a, a contract to fight Tyson Fury for a million dollars, I'm taking that shit. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Uh, you, but it, you think it was more than that, though? I mean, you think it was more than just a million dollars? A million dollars? I mean, no, but do you think it was more than just the money that he walked away from? Do you think he really believed he could win? That's my question. Oh, um, shit. I don't know. I can't really tell you what the man believed. You know what I mean? I can't tell you what he believes. If, like I said, if he really thought that he couldn't win, little boy, you just walked away from a million dollars. It it doesn't matter. If you thought you could have win or lose, you just walked away from a million dollars <laughs> that you never seen before. And even if you wouldn't have seen that million dollars after the fight, the money you would have got, you ain't seen before neither. So it still don't make sense. So I don't I don't know. I can't tell you about nothing about him, but he's just another a fighter, you know, he ain't really no threat for real. Mm-hmm. He ain't really trying to fight. Uh, a guy that has been rising the ranks at 135 uh, with an entertaining style, William Zapata. What do you think of William Zapata? I think Zapata is a fighter. Zapata, he's a fighter. I think he he got a great style. I think he brings, you know, um, attention and um, just like he brings. <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? He brings he 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 brings that action to the 135 division, man. He's definitely a fighter to like you know. I would want to fight, you know what I'm saying? He's he just a fighter that anybody fights, it could be a good fight. It could be a mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, very entertaining style, that's for sure. A, a guy that you are also have worked with, Richardson Hitchens. What do you think about him? Richardson Hitchens is a hell of a fighter. I think, you know, he's ready for a world title. In anybody. I think Richardson is ready for a world title, man. He's a hell of a fighter. Does Shakur Stevenson call your corner on the phone in the same way he was calling Richardson Hitchens' corner during that fight? I see you shaking your head. <laughs> nah, see, um, see, with me, my last fight, all I did was call Shakur and say, Shakur, 
I need you at my fight. And you know what I'm saying? He was y'all see him there jumping up and down. So that's what I'm gonna do personally. What <laughs> he ain't gonna have to call, he ain't gonna have to do that to me. You know what I'm saying? Bomack and the team is gonna take care of that. I have never in my career seen anything like that. After watching the first round, I'm looking at his, I think it was Tony, is his guy in the corner, and he's on the phone. And and I'm and he's not only on the phone, he's relaying instructions from the phone, and Richardson's listening to him. I've never seen anything like that, Keyshawn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that shit was crazy, bro. That was crazy, bro. That was crazy. You could see, by the way, you could see like in the third round, clearly Shakur knew I was talking about him on the air. So he's telling Tony, you got to put the phone down or you got to do something else because he knew we were on to him, what was happening in the corner. <laughs> hey, hey, Africa won the fight, so. He did. He, he did. He did. He beat a really tough guy. Do you, do you like one thing Eddie Hearn said to Richardson after that fight was it's great that you won, but when you have opportunities to be exciting, you've got to be exciting. It's an entertainment sport. Do you believe that? Definitely. Um, if nobody want to see you fight, then who gives a fuck about how good you are? Um, you know, people want to talk a lot of shit about you know my friend. You know what I'm saying? But at the end, at the end of the day, he is one of the best out here. You know what I'm saying? He don't have the Ryan Garcia social media or the, you know, Javante Tank Davis power, but he is one of the best out here. So just you saying that, I mean, proof is in the pudding with, with my friend. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's unfortunate, but um, it's that's just boxing nowadays. He made Jose Zapata look very ordinary, and that's a difficult thing to do because Jose Zapata is a very tough fighter. That was a brilliant fight uh, from Richardson Hitchens. A couple more before I let you go. Uh, Devin Haney, someone you had hoped to fight at 135. He's now at 140. How do you feel about Devin? Uh, Devin is a, a good fighter. I think he should, you know, be prosperous at 140 as well. Do you think he beats Regis Progre? Oh, yeah, I think he beats Regis. Uh, I think Regis even though he beats Regis. You know what I'm really? saying? Uh, yeah, Regis, yeah. Regis is going to go in there to fight. Like, all respect to Regis, though. Like, I don't have no res- disrespect towards him. But like fighters is not dumb. People people is not dumb. Like at the end of the day, Reed is gonna go in there to win. But deep down the side, like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think Devin just gonna win that fight, you know, fairly easy. Coming off the fight, Lomachenko, you know, I think Lomachenko is also clearly better than Regis. So um just coming off a, a hell of an opponent like that, going to in my opinion, just a lesser opponent, um, Devin should win fairly easy. All right, last one for you, and a guy you're very familiar with who has been talking about you for months now, Andy Cruz, a amateur rival of yours. How do you feel about Andy Cruz now that you're both pros? Uh, I think Andy Cruz is still a baby, man, in the game. Andy Cruz is still a baby in the game. Um, he got a lot of pro- promotional work to do as well, a lot of that more so than his skill. So um, I'm not really entertaining that shit right now. It, it doesn't make sense. It's not making money right now. Um, I think it would really make more sense for me to fight him on his debut, honestly, because right now his name is not buzzing at all. So um, Andy Cruz is just a guy that beat me in the Olympics. That's what I think about Do you have kind of that get back on your mind? I mean, when I've talked to Shakur about, say, Robisi Ramirez, there's still part of him that wants a piece of that action. Do you have a, you know Andy Cruz on your mind down the line? Oh, keep it real with you, man. No, I'm not even like I did. I real shit. I'm keeping it real. Like real shit. I did. Like I wanted to fight the Mark Castro's. I wanted to fight Andy Cruz because oh, they beat me in the amateurs. 
But like really, like that shit is over. That shit been over. In this boxing world right now, people don't even care about world titles. Mm. So why would I even give a fuck about who beat me in the amateurs? You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, don't nobody really gives a fuck. I know I will knock Andy Cruz ass out. I know, and you know, I will knock Mark Castro ass out. These guys can't beat me, man. They can't fuck with me. Mm. On in this moment of time right now, they're not on my fucking level. So I'm not gonna keep entertaining them. They gotta catch up. If they catch up, then we can make something happen if business makes sense. But right now, y'all are behind me. I'm not about to entertain people that's behind me. Who is on your level right now? You got Nahir Albright in front of you on Saturday down in Texas. If you get through that, who's the guy on your level for your next fight? I would love to fight Jermaine Ortiz's. I would love to fight the Pedraza's. I would love to fight Comey. I would love to fight people like, like that, like people that already been world champions. I would love to fight a world champion. I'm that level right there. Mm-hmm. The world champions. That's where I'm at right there. If you're not a world champion or some type of eliminator, contender, you know what I mean? Then I don't want to fight you. After this Albright situation, straight contenders and world champions. Love to see it. Love to see it. Well, Keyshawn Davis, good luck on Saturday. I will be closely watching the phone calls in your corner to see if anybody is blowing up your spot. You got <laughs> your phone right there. I don't know who you're handing it to in your corner, but I'm going to be watching just like with Richard Hitchens. I'm coming to blow up your spot, Keyshawn. Hi, <laughs> <All right>, G. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes, sir. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Ade Oladipo and Keyshawn Davis for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.